morning, Bridge Church, and welcome to Church Online. As we worship, we want to encourage you and your families to join in with us. Let's sing this together. Your love's so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years. Still I'll be singing. How can I praise you enough? How can I praise you enough? You are the Lord Almighty, our shining all stars in glory. Your love is like a wildest ocean. Whoa, nothing else compares. Calls all to the Savior. We are alive for your praise in earth and sky. No one is higher. I got. to us, but to your name, we 
Now alive. 
let's lift it up, we say, Your name, your name is victory. Your praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Your praise will rise to Christ our Ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me by your Spirit.
I am so thankful and grateful that we serve a risen Savior. As we were singing that song, the bridge really stood out to me. It says, by your spirit, we will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. We're living in times right now where many people are, are, are living a daily existence where their heads are held low. They're experiencing despair. They're ex experiencing hopelessness. They're experiencing a difficult time. But I want to encourage you and I want to remind you that our God was not caught off guard by the coronavirus. That our God is the same risen Savior that he has always been. He is bigger, he is stronger, and he is greater. So what does that mean for you and I? That means by your spirit on a daily basis, you need to look to the Lord as the Spirit provides comfort for you, as the Spirit provides encouragement for you, as the Spirit provides power for you to get through your day-to-day -day things that you need to do. It's time for us to lift up our heads and see our risen Savior and declare victory in our lives. Whatever you may be facing, whatever obstacles you're facing right now, as a community, let's lift those needs to the Lord and declare victory. God, you see the families that need your hand to intervene. God, the financial burdens and decisions that people are having to make. God, I pray that you would provide. Provide a way for those bills. Provide a way for those mortgage payments. Provide a way for food to be put on the table. God, for business owners, Lord, who are experiencing something that they just can't even comprehend. God, may they look to you and trust you and call upon your name. Lord, for those who are just under so much stress that their relationships are stretched, God, I pray that you would just bring a sense of peace and comfort. Lord, for those who need a touch in their bodies, God, I pray for your miraculous and divine power to flow through, God, and provide health. Lord, you are a risen Savior, and we do not want to live with our head held low, Lord. Lord, because by your Spirit, God, because what you did on the cross for us, God, we lift our heads up and we declare victory in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And all of God's children said, amen, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting us into your home or wherever you're at today. We just want you to know that we love you so very much. God has incredible things in store for us today. Pastor Gary's got a word that he is bringing straight from God's lips to our ears. But before we get into that, let's take a moment, stay up to date on what's happening here at the bridge, and let's watch church news. Hey, bridge family. We're so glad that you're joining us today for Church Online. Now, before we get into the message, we want to keep you up to date with what's going on in church life. We look forward to being able to meet again in person on Sunday mornings, but until then, we're excited for the opportunity to connect with you online throughout the week. Here's a look at what's going on here at the bridge, and we hope that you will join us and stay plugged in. God has tremendously blessed our community care program. 
Each week, God is abundantly supplying food and resources so that we can bless others. We also want to take time to thank our volunteers who have been on the front lines during this unusual season. Your selflessness and servant hearts shine each and every week as you bless our community. Your positive attitudes, prayers, kind words, and smiles are giving people hope to go on through a difficult season. Thank you for your dedication of showing up every week and making an impact in the lives of others. On behalf of the Bridge Church, we want to say a huge thank you. Community care distribution happens at 11 a.m. on Sundays in the back of our church building. Just drive through and pop open the trunk and our friendly team will load groceries for you. If you or anyone you know is in need during this season, we encourage you to come and receive at Community Care. We are here to help. Hey, Bridge Church family. Tonight, we're doing another one of our outdoor services at 6 p.m. If you haven't been to one of these services, they've been absolutely amazing, and we want to invite you to come and join us. There is more than enough room out here on our plaza to social distance. If you feel more comfortable watching from your car, you can watch from your car, tune into 88.5 FM to hear it all. Hey, if you're a family and you're maybe nervous about bringing your kids, don't be. There's a ton of room out here for them to move around. A ton of families have been bringing their kids. It's been awesome. We've got worship, we've got prayer, we have a short message. They've been great, and we hope to see you there tonight at 6 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. This is the captain speaking. Uh, just about ready to depart. We should be away on schedule in the next couple of minutes or so. Flight time will be 9 hours and 40 minutes. We'll eventually reach a cruising altitude of 35,000. Bridge Youth is continuing in their new series entitled On Location. Join us as we hear messages based on the locations they're preached from. We're so excited to travel to all these different locations and hear the messages that are preached. Join us this Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in church life, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This is the easiest way to get all of the info on what's happening from day to day at The Bridge. You can also stay informed by downloading The Bridge app. Just text keywords, The Bridge Church app to 77977. For more general info, log on to our website, thebridgechurch.tv. If you're joining us for the first time and want to find out more about the church, we invite you to go to our website or the Bridge Church app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a digital Connect card where we can help you get plugged in. Just take a moment to fill it out and we'll be happy to connect with you. Thanks again for joining us and here's Pastor Gary with the message for today. Good morning, Bridge Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. And for the next several minutes, I want to thank you for letting your house be God's house. And we're going to hear God's voice today, and He's going to speak some things to us that I think are really important, not just for this season, but for every season of life moving forward. Today, I want to use a very simple title. The title is, 
I don't like this season. I don't like it. I can't tell you how many times the last four months I've heard people say that. Almost every day, sometimes two or three times a day, I run across somebody and I hear it again. This is a weird season. I don't like it. Well, let me give you a word of encouragement today. I don't like it either. But yet we have to navigate this unusual season of life. And you know, the truth is my attitude affects my outlook on life. My attitude can even weigh in on my faith. It can encourage my faith. It can discourage my faith. It's really important that we as believers see the world through the eyes of God's Word, that we be able to see things as God sees them. But sometimes we get under circumstances and our vision becomes unclear, and sometimes we get our eyes on the wrong things. So today I want to talk about discouragement. Discouragement. Everybody at different seasons of life has been prone to discouragement. When unlikable things pile up, this is an unlikable season, I don't like it. When unlikable seasons and unlikable things pile up on us and they add up, we become subject to discouragement. And discouragement is one of Satan's greatest tools. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have challenges. You will be tried with different circumstances. But he encouraged us and said, I've overcome the world. So he will show us how to overcome the unusual, difficult, unlikable circumstances of life. So what is discouragement? The word discourage literally means to dis-spirit, to take away the spirit, to break the spirit, the drive of an individual. To become discouraged means to be robbed of your strength. It means to have your emotional resolve stolen from you so you don't want to move forward. I think a good way to describe discouragement is it's like being down in a pit with no will, no desire to escape. You may be facing some circumstances today and you may be saying, I don't like this season. Well, you know what? God has some answers for you today to show you how to deal with this season in life. One of the things that's become a practice in my life is one or two times a year, sometimes even more, I'll take a month and I will slowly go through the Proverbs in the Old Testament in my personal devotional time because Proverbs is just jammed full of wisdom. A few years ago, I was going through a bit of a challenging season. And in that challenging season, I, I was reading Proverbs, which I do a lot. In, in days of challenge, I love to read the Proverbs to get wisdom for those challenges. And I was reading one day in this tough season, and I read from Proverbs 24, and I found these words in verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. It was almost as if God rebuked me. It was almost as if God put his finger on that page and said directly to me, Gary, if you faint when you're facing adversity, you don't have much strength. You're pretty weak. Can I tell you something? I got a little bit offended with God. 
And I immediately just shot back at him. And in my time of devotion, I said, yeah, well, you, you don't understand. I'm dealing with this and this and this. And I, and I began to just tell God about all the stuff I was dealing with as if he didn't already know about it. You know, oftentimes when God speaks to me, especially correction, or if God speaks something important from his word or through his spirit, when God puts something in my heart, he usually doesn't say it three or four times. He doesn't usually give me a lot of interpretation. He just gives it to me and then lets me walk it out and sort it out in my own life. If in days of adversity we faint, then really there's something missing. There's a strength that's missing in our lives. So when are we susceptible to discouragement? I want to look at four seasons Four times in life when I think we can really become susceptible to discouragement and then also see some things we can do to be encouraged in those seasons. So number one, I'm going to read from John chapter 12, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to start at verse number two. And when John, this is John the Baptist, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to him, he said to Jesus, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? This is an interesting story about John the Baptist near the end of his life. He's in prison, he's about to be put to death, and he gets a little bit discouraged. Now, I'll talk more about John in just a moment. But I think, number one, one of the really obvious seasons when we can get discouraged is when things don't go as expected. When things don't work out the way I thought they were going to work out, it's really easy to get down and open the door to discouragement and not want to move forward. It's one of those moments for John the Baptist. He's in prison. His ministry that was once so great has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. It's down toward the end of his life. His disciples have dwindled. A lot of them are now following Jesus. And in this moment of discouragement, one of his disciples comes to visit him in prison and he says, go find Jesus. I've heard about what's going on, but go find Jesus and ask him, are you sure you're really the Messiah? Isn't it interesting when we get discouraged, we ask God a lot of questions and we even sometimes question things that we already know to be true. That's what John was doing. You know, each of us has a mental picture of how life should go. You have one, I have one. You've already got a picture in your mind of what's going to happen next week or next month. You already have a picture in your mind of what might be coming in the fall or next year. We all have those mental pictures of how life should be and how it should go from here. But when it doesn't go the way we expect, discouragement will always come knocking on the door. Life doesn't always turn the way we want it to, the way we expect it to. John the Baptist said, are, are, you, are you really the Christ are you really the Messiah? Are you the chosen one? Are you the Son of God? Have you ever questioned God? John the Baptist did. Now, I want to show you something interesting about John the Baptist. Jesus himself said, there's never been a greater man who ever lived 
than John the Baptist. Can you imagine Jesus saying that about you or me? Never has a greater man ever lived than John the Baptist. And yet in this moment of his life, he was subject to deep discouragement because things didn't go the way he expected it. And think about John. John the Baptist's calling was to be the forerunner, to prepare the way, to set the stage for Jesus and his ministry. You know, John's out preaching in the wilderness and hundreds and thousands of people are leaving the cities and they're coming down to the Jordan River to hear John preach and to repent and turn from their sins and turn toward God and be baptized. I mean, John's got a thriving ministry. But his ministry, his calling was to introduce Jesus. And one day he looks up the riverbank and sees Jesus coming and he points his finger and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist was honored, he was privileged to introduce Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, to the world. But as soon as he made that introduction, his ministry shifted. And who wants to listen to a guy wearing camel skins and eating wild honey and grasshoppers when you can go follow Jesus who's working miracles? Who wants to hear sermons about repentance and turn from your sin when Jesus is cleansing lepers and raising the dead? Even his disciples begin to follow Jesus. His thrust, his ministry, the major part of his calling in life is behind him and he's now toward the end of his life. And John gets discouraged. The crowds are gone. He's not nearly as important as he once was. So he sends his guys to Jesus and says, Are you really God? Are you really who I think you were, think you are, thought you were? Who are you? John asked that question. We've all had those seasons in life. And I really think what John the Baptist was saying was, I don't understand this season. I don't like this season. I don't like what's going on, and I don't know what to do about it. Have you ever cried that cry and prayed that prayer? I think most of us have. But Jesus turns to John's disciples and says, go tell John the things that you see. People are still being healed. Lives are still being changed. Miracles are happening everywhere. I am exactly who he said I was. Let him be encouraged with what God is doing. You know, even in the prison cell, Jesus said, encourage John with what God is doing in the earth. You know, I, I think sometimes we get so wrapped up with ourselves and we get so wrapped up with the little details of our lives and our feelings and what's important to us, sometimes we miss the big picture. Jesus said, tell John the Baptist, God is still working. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're going through a tough season. Maybe you don't understand. Maybe things haven't worked out the way you thought it should. Can I encourage you today and tell you, look around, lift up your eyes, Listen real closely. Listen to what God's doing. Hear the testimonies. Hear the stories. Read the news. God is still working, and God is not finished with you yet. Hang in there. God has better days ahead. And then 
Number two, I think a second challenge that we all face are new things, new seasons. You see, new seasons bring new challenges. Over the past four months, we as, as church leaders have faced a brand new season. And we didn't have months to prepare for it. It was dropped on us on a day, and then it was dropped even heavier on us a few weeks later, and we were limited to what the state says we can do in this season. Can I tell you something? Even when man says no to God, God is still saying yes. Even when we think the world around us is trying to limit God's ability, you can't stop God's wind from blowing where God sends it. God is still moving by His Spirit. But what about new days of new challenges? You know, even, even exciting days, even seasons when we're about to do something exciting, they come with major challenges. And in Joshua chapter 1, I won't take you there and read today because I, I've got to move quickly. But Joshua in Joshua 1 finds himself in a brand new season of life. God shows up on the scene and you know the story. Moses was sent by God. He delivered the people from bondage in Egypt. They started the journey to the promised land. And that promise was really several generations old, hundreds of years. They start the journey, but these people who are slaves refuse to be delivered from the mental bondage of being slaves. And they won't believe God. They won't trust God. So God says, okay, this entire generation, including Moses, are going to die in the wilderness. And then later, when the next generation comes along, 40 years later, I will deliver the new generation into the promised land. These people went nowhere but going in circles for 40 years until an entire generation died. Then in Joshua chapter 1, God announces to Joshua, Moses is dead. The leader of the nation, he's dead. The man that God sent to lead this people, he's dead. He's gone. The people are going to mourn, they're going to weep, they're going to miss Moses. But, Joshua, you're in charge. Go lead the people into the promised land. What an exciting time. Wow, Joshua's in charge. Wow, I am the man. I, I've been there for Moses. I walked it aside. I've been his understudy. I've learned all these lessons. God speaks to him and says, Joshua, you're now in charge. Take the mission and go into the promised land. Lead this new generation to the place that I've given them. But you know, with the excitement of that, also came the realization that we're going to need some miracles. There's some major obstacles. There's a Jordan River. There are cities that are walled fortresses. There are giants in the land. There's some impossibilities in front of us. And with the excitement of the season of moving forward comes the reality, I can't do this without God's supernatural help. And I think Joshua was probably a little bit overwhelmed when God gave him those instructions. See, I think Joshua in this new season really might have said, I'm not so sure about this season. I'm not so sure about this mission. I know God promised it, but if Moses, as great as he was, the great deliverer, if Moses couldn't do this, God, what makes you think? I can do this. How do you know when God drops something in your heart? 
Well, I think there are probably several keys, but one of the keys is God oftentimes gives us a mission that's bigger than our ability so that we have to depend upon him to help us. That's what happened in this situation. And Joshua could have been overwhelmed with the moment. He could have said, you know what? I'm not as great as Moses. You know what? I can't do this. I've been around for 40 years. These people know me. You need to send somebody new. They need a new voice, a new face. He could have had a thousand excuses why he couldn't go forward. But it's really important for us to realize today, when God put that call on his life, Joshua realized, if God has called me to this mission It will be accompanied by God's provision. Friend, hear me today. God does not call us to failures. God calls us to successes. God has not called us to defeat. He's called us to victory. And you know, as I look through the first chapter of Joshua, it's really interesting that in verses 6 through 9, three different times, God speaks this to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. One time he even said, be strong and very courageous. Now think about this with me today. I don't know what your life is looking right now, like right now. I don't know all the details. I don't know what this season means to you. But for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's a difficult, unusual season. But look at the season you're dealing with. And I think today God says three times to us, be strong, be courageous. God won't ask us to do something that we can't do. Even if we think we can't do it with his strength, we can do it. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ because he strengthens me. I trust him. But in this season, three times today, I want you to note, God says, be strong and courageous. You're looking at me today, and I want to walk right into your living room, right into your office, wherever you might be hearing this, seeing this, watching this, listening to this. I want you to, I want you to hear it today. Be strong and courageous. You can be strong. You can have your courage renewed. You can move forward because God says you can. Be strong. Be courageous. And these three times, there are three exact things, specific things, that God is talking about. First, he says, be strong and and courageous and accept your mission. What is God asking you to do? What is the mission God's given you in this season? God says, be strong, be courageous, and accept my calling for your life. The second time he says it, God says, be strong and be courageous and follow my instructions. Well, how am I going to do this? You're going to follow God's instructions. Well, I don't know how to do this. Follow God's instructions. I don't know how this is going to work out. Follow God's instructions. Well, I'm going to listen over here and I'm going to listen over there. No, follow God's instructions. Be strong. Stop listening to voices that discourage you. Stop listening to what the media says you can and can't do. Stop listening to family members and friends who limit you and say, no, no, no. God says, yes, yes, yes. Be strong. Be courageous and follow my instructions. Then the third thing that God says here, be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid because I'm with you. Whatever God's called you to do in this season, He's with you. 
You don't have to be afraid of the season. You don't have to be afraid of the giants and the cities and the fortresses. Everything in the land that God's called you to invade and take. God says, I'm with you. Sitting right there in your living room today, God is with you. You know, I have a couple of old cars, collector type cars from the 50s and 60s. A few days ago, I went to start the cars up and I hadn't started them in several months and I had to charge the batteries and had to do a few things. And one of the cars, I was going to drive it this week, so I decided, ah, I better check the fluid levels because they're leaking a little bit. They are old cars, and I've got, you know, pans down in my garage to protect the floor. So I went out, and I started one of the cars, and I checked the transmission fluid because I knew it was leaking a little bit. And I found out that the fluid was low, so I'm going to have to put some transmission fluid in that transmission before I drive it. From time to time, we need to stop and check our courage levels. We need to get God's dipstick and let him see just where we are with our courage, with our strength, with our attitude as we move forward, with how we see the future. When things get dark and we get discouraged about what's in front of us, that's a sign that our courage is failing. And God says, be strong, be very courageous. I'm with you. I've given you this mission. It's going to be okay check your courage level today are you ready to move forward into everything that God has set in front of you even in this new season with new challenges God is with us and, and if I could just take this one step further for a moment I want you to think about Jesus He's about to go to the cross. He's facing a new season of his life and ministry. Oh, we know he came to die. We know that. We know he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But after these 33 years of life and these three years of ministry, Jesus is coming down to the most important part of his ministry. It's the time he's going to die. We find the words in, in the story in John chapter 12 where Jesus begins to say, my soul is troubled. My soul is troubled. Jesus was feeling the pressure of the moment. Look at the circumstances. He knows he's about to face Roman crucifixion, the most painful, torturous death of the day. He's seen it from a distance. He knows what happens. He knows this is his future, and it's God's plan for him. But Jesus says, my soul is heavy. My mind, my will, my emotions are being tested. Later on in the garden, he begins to pray and says, Father, if there's another way out, let this cup pass from me. But in each of these instances, as Jesus considers the cross, he says, what do I say? Do I say, Father, get me out of this? No. He says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. It's interesting. Jesus even prayed so far in John 12 to say, Father, through this experience, what, you're, what you've ordained for me, what you've called me to do in laying down my life, I ask that you'd be glorified in what I do. You know, sometimes God gives us a mission. 
And there's a lot, of, a lot of struggle involved with it. Sometimes some physical pain, some mental pain, emotional pain. Sometimes some big things that God calls us to do. And he says, don't be discouraged. You know, I think at this moment, these moments before Jesus went to the cross, he might have thought, I don't like this season. I don't like this season. But Father, use me in this season to do everything you've called me to do so I can bring glory to your name. If you're facing difficult season today, if you're facing a time when God's called you to some things and you know it's going to be challenging the next few days, I want to encourage you, don't opt out. Don't walk away from it. Follow Jesus' example and pattern in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but accomplish your will through my life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, gives us the key to going through these challenging new seasons. It says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus looked through the cross. He looked beyond the cross. He looked past what it was going to cost him the next few days, and he saw the big picture of eternity. And for the joy that was on the other side of the cross, Jesus applied himself to the moment and took it head on. That's how we need to face the challenges of life that God sets before us. The calling he puts on our lives, go head on, move forward into everything God's called you to do and do it all for the glory of God because there's great joy on the other side of this adventure. And then number three, and I'm going to move really quickly. Number three, I think a third season when people are really susceptible to discouragement is when they're weary, when they're tired. I want to look in just a moment in 1 Kings 19 at, at a story out of Elijah, the great prophet. I, I want to look at his life for just a moment. One particular thing that happened. And one day, you know, Elijah had basically told the king, it's not going to rain till I say so. And for three and a half years, there was no rain. He had to go into hiding for his life because the king wanted to kill him. But now he goes and presents himself to the king and says, bring all the people of Israel to Mount Carmel and bring the prophets of Baal, the false, ungodly prophets. We're going to have a challenge and find out who is the real God. So all the people are gathered together to Mount Carmel. And I want you to look at what Elijah did in one day. Many of you know the story, but I want to run through it real quickly. In one day, when all the people are gathered together, he preaches a sermon to the people. He asks the false prophets to build their altar and call down fire from heaven. He spends all day laughing at them and mocking them because there's no fire from heaven. Several hours, a big part of the day, he's laughing and mocking. Then he builds an altar. He himself builds a huge altar of wood and stone. He carries the pieces of wood. He carries the rocks. He builds this big altar, big enough to put a bull on. Then he digs a deep trench around the altars and has them fill it with water. Then he takes a bull and he takes the bull, slaughters it, cuts it up in pieces, and lays it on the altar. And then he prays at the end of this long day and he calls down fire from heaven and God answers and sends the, the fire and it 
consumes the altar and the bull, the sacrifice, and even runs around the trench and licks up all the water. And when it happens, all the people fall on their faces and begin to cry out praises to God. Then he goes to a hilltop, a mountaintop, begins to pray for rain. And at least seven times he prays until he sees just the sign of a cloud coming in the distance. And then he runs and tells the king, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. You better head back to Jezreel. And the king starts his journey in his chariots. And then at the end of this long day, with all that he's already done, he goes down to the brook and he kills 450 prophets of Baal, one by one by one, puts them to death. Then he outruns the king's chariot for 25 miles to the city of Jezreel. That's a pretty busy day and I guarantee you he was operating in the strength and the encouragement and the energy of God but when he gets to Jezreel Ahab the king's wicked wife Jezebel sends word to him and says I heard you killed my prophets by this time tomorrow I will see to it that you're dead he's tired he's weary it's been a long day when he gets that word he gets discouraged, he opens the door to fear, and he runs away to hide. One of our most susceptible seasons of life is when we're weary, when we're tired, physically, mentally, emotionally tired. It's really an interesting story. If you have time to go back and read through all of chapter 17, 18, 19, it's a great story. But you know, when I think about this today, I think about all the people I've dealt with through the years who in seasons of weariness made some really poor decisions. Scripture tells us that Elijah, went and left his servant, his key right-hand man, left him at one place, and then he himself started on a journey into the wilderness. Here's what the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 19, verse number 4. It says, But Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, it's over. Just take me now. Just take me now. I don't want to live another day. He prayed that he might die. And notice what he said. He said, it is enough. I've had enough of this season. He goes on and says, now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. You know what I hear in this verse and these verses? I hear the voice of a weary prophet who needs rest. I don't care who you are or what you are. You need rest. I don't care how you're wired. I don't care how many hours sleep you need or don't need. Every one of us needs days, sometimes weeks of rest. This has been a weird season. Some of us haven't been able to take our normal vacations. You know what? You need to find time to charge your mental and emotional and spiritual batteries. Because when you're weary, you don't see things clearly, and you make poor 
decisions. When you are really, really discouraged, nothing feels better than a pity party. And boy, does Elijah have a big one. God, I'm no good, can't do the job, just go ahead and kill me and take me on home now. I give up, I quit. The problem is a pity party only digs a, a deeper pit. And the further I run when I'm weary, the deeper that pit becomes. Some of you today need to find some rest because you're weary. I've learned through the years to not make important decisions when I'm weary because poor decisions only add to my weariness. When I'm weary, I tend to see the world through my eyes instead of seeing through God's eyes. When I'm weary, I tend to only hear negative voices. When I'm weary, I, I, I can be tempted to give up and to quit. You know, Elijah basically said, God, I can't handle this season. I am done. I'm going to opt out and quit right here. So what do you do when you're weary? You need to rest and you need to listen and hear God's calm, quiet voice. If you read this whole story, Elijah actually took off running for a day, went to sleep in a cave. An angel woke him up, gave him food and water. He went back to sleep and slept some more. Angel woke him up again, gave him more food and water. And then he went 40 days further into the wilderness, running in despair, wound up in a cave. And when God finally got his attention, God asked him a question. What are you doing here? To get to the end of the story, eventually God passed by and he heard a still, small voice, a calm, quiet voice, and he knew that's the voice of God. When we're weary, we hear all kinds of voices, emotions, circumstances, people around us. But when you're rested and your heart's right, you'll hear the still, small, calm voice of God. We need to hear that voice. Back when I was deciding to go into the ministry, I was probably about 20 years of age, there was an assistant pastor in my home church who one day said, Gary, I've got some errands to run. I want you to go with me. I want to talk about ministry. So I went on, a, on this ride with him in his car. He was driving the freeways in L.A. And uh, he looked at me and he said, I'm going to share something with you that's going to be really important for your future. And I thought, okay, this is wonderful. This is awesome. Give me something big. He looks at me and he quotes a verse from the Psalms where the psalmist said, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to be still. I don't want to. I think what he was saying was, there are going to be times in your life when you're going to need to be still, let God be God, and let God speak into the needs of the moment. It's been true for 45 years in ministry. It's true today for me. It's true for you today. We need to get still and rest and hear the voice of God. And then finally, the, the, the very last thing. Isaiah chapter 40, very familiar verses, beginning at verses 27, or verse 27. I think another season when we're very susceptible to discouragement is when God is silent. 
We're, we're talking to God, but it doesn't seem like He's hearing. He's not answering. He's not responding. There are times in life when it seems like God's not saying much. Isaiah 40, verse 27. God says, why do you say, Jacob, and why do you speak, Israel? Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you ever prayed and said, God, this is not fair? That's what God's addressing. Verse 28 have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. See, God says, why do you think I'm like you? Why do you think I'm weary and tired? Why do you think I've given up? Why do you think I've taken a wrong path? Do you not know I never get tired, I never get weary, and I don't make mistakes? Verse 29 says, God gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. What He's saying here is, God will renew your courage. God will encourage you. God will give you that inner strength to move forward if you'll trust Him because He never runs out of that strength. He never runs out of that courage. In verse 30, even the youths shall faint. Be weary. And the young men will utterly fall in your own natural strength even the strongest of us can grow weary but then the great verse verse 31 but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not be weary they will walk and not faint. Even at our lowest moments of discouragement, when we cry out to God and we don't get quick answers, even when we think God doesn't see, God doesn't know, God doesn't hear, God is silent, God doesn't care, we're missing the point. God always cares. And God always wants to be involved. We just need to learn how to draw strength from Him. There have been times in my life when I've had some real challenges, major difficulties, major problems to deal with. Some were my own doing, some weren't. Some was church business, some was personal. But I've learned something. In those seasons, sometimes God's pretty quiet. God's pretty quiet. What do I think? What do I say? What do I do when God is quiet? Well, I'll tell you what I've been doing at times lately. I say, I don't like this season. Like John the Baptist, like Jesus, like Joshua, like Elijah, I don't like this season. When I begin to do that, it's really easy to not see clearly and get discouraged. But when we're faced with these quiet moments, we need to remember God's strength and God's faithfulness. We tend to look to ourselves and our friends and family and acquaintances for help, but we need to look to God 
I may become weary, but God doesn't. I may not think God cares about me, but He does. I may see a dead end, but God sees a breakthrough. I need to learn to trust God, even in the quiet moments. You see, I think when God seems to be quiet, He's really saying, look at my track record and trust my faithfulness. God's never failed us. He's never missed a deadline. He's never let us down. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? For some of us, it's like, well, I'll just sit down in this pit and wait. No, 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 no. Literally, that word wait in the original writings, it's, it means the same thing as taking some cords and weaving some cords together to make a stronger rope. It means to wrap yourself around, to intertwine yourself with the Lord. Wrap your heart, wrap your mind, wrap your emotions, wrap your being around the promises of God and the Word of God and realize this Word cannot and will not fail you. It means to wrap yourself around God and trust Him and get your mind off of the clock and the timing and the circumstances and get your heart and your mind wrapped around God because God has better plans than you have for yourself. Years ago, and I'm going to finish with this, I was actually talking about this verse of Scripture, and it's probably been over 35 years ago. I talked about, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. After service, a man came up to me and he said, can I just share something with you about the eagles? I said, sure. He said, I'm an airline pilot, and I know what it is to fly at high altitudes. And he said, there have been times when there have been thunderstorms all around the area where I'm flying. And we're trying to dodge the storms and we're moving to the right and the left, the north, the, the south, the east, the west. We're dodging these big thunderstorms. And down on the ground, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's rain, there's hail, all kinds of things happening. But we're up there above the storm. And he said, it's not uncommon when you get above those storms to look out just below the plane and see an eagle soaring above those storms. And he said, if you'll study it, you'll find out that the eagles are very unusual, that God's put joints in their shoulders where their wings attach. And when they spread those wings, they can actually lock those wings in place. And they are so aerodynamically con uh, created by God and designed by God that they don't have to fight to stay up in the air. They can just ride the wind currents and just soar above the storm and look at all the trouble going on below and not be affected by any of it. You may be thinking today, I don't know what to do in this season. I do. Wrap yourself around God and His Word and His promises. Let Him strengthen you, encourage you, and just lock your spiritual wings in place and let God lift you above the storms that are going on around you. No matter what this season has brought your way, God's bigger, God's greater. And if you don't like this season, I've got a great final word for you today. Trust God, because there's a new season just ahead. Seasons only last for a period of time. I want to pray for you today. But as I pray, last thing I want to say, maybe you're here today and it, it, you're listening to this. 
you're saying, you know what? I, I really am discouraged, but I'm discouraged in life and I have no hope because I don't know God. God loves you today. God put his own son on a cross to pay for all of your mistakes, to bring you into relationship with himself. Jesus paid for your sins, but it means nothing unless you accept that payment. God extends forgiveness to us. We accept it by faith. The way we do that is we take what's in our heart right now, what's going on inside of us, we express it to God through words. Maybe you're listening to this and your heart is stirred and you're saying, I, I need help from God today. God's there for you. He's knocking on the door of your heart. You need to say, God, come in. I need your help. I want to lead you in a prayer and just give you simple words. They're not, it's not important that they're my words. It's important that it becomes your words of faith. Wrap your faith and your heart around these words and let's just ask God for his help today. Say these words, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I need you in every area. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins so that I might become a part of your family. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose to make him the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to walk your paths. So from this day forward, you'll be my heavenly father. I'll be your child. Thank you for receiving me today. Teach me your ways. I will follow you. Amen. Finally today, I just want to encourage everyone who's listened to this. Something I said today hit home. Take it today. Take it in this moment. Don't let it die in the air. Take what God has spoken to you today. Apply it to your life. Let God be big in your life and lift you from that place of discouragement. In Jesus' name. God bless you today. Hey, just before we go, I want to say two quick things. Number one, thank you again for your faithfulness in this season. You know, we're about to head into our season where we do back to school bash. It'll be very different this year because of all that's going on around us. We've got some restrictions, but we're going to still bless at least a thousand children and teenagers with backpacks and school supplies. We're still going to find a way to provide gently used clothing for those who are in need. We're working on that now. We're doing that because of your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your support in this season. God sees our giving and God blesses us as we trust him. And last thing, tonight at 6 o'clock, out in the plaza, in the shade, I know it's going to be hot today, but you know what? By 6 o'clock, we've got quite a bit of shade out there. The breeze will be blowing across the property. It will actually be quite comfortable. If you're not uh, really comfortable being around people, come sit in the parking lot in your chair. You can listen on an FM station. I believe it's 88.5. Or you can bring a lawn chair, sit on the plaza. You can tailgate and sit in the sun if you prefer. It's going to be a great night. And the other day I had somebody say, well, when are we going to start having church again? And I had to tell them, we've been doing this for probably six weeks now. You just haven't been here. This is church. God shows up. We worship God. We share God's word. There's something for everybody, every age group. We look forward to seeing you tonight at 6 o'clock. Have a great Sunday. 
Wow, what an awesome message from Pastor Gary. We're so, so thankful for God's word encouraging us today. And you might be at home today and you made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe you recommitted your life to him. We want to help you start your journey of faith and we want to give you a free gift. It's called the next seven days. There's a few different ways that you can get it. First, if you're watching on YouTube, just go ahead and click that link in your YouTube feed and we'll help you start your walk with God and get you that book. But you can also direct message us on Facebook and Instagram. Just use the words next seven and we will be happy to reply to you and put this free gift in your hands. Yeah, and don't forget that tonight at 6 p.m. is our outdoor service. These have been some of the highlights of our week. We have loved these services, and they are designed for you and your entire family. So bring your kids, bring your family, bring your lawn chairs, your blankets, whatever it is that you need to be comfortable, and join us here at the bridge tonight at 6 p.m. for our outdoor service. We can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us for Church Online today. We love you, church, and we will see you tonight at 6 p.m.